Hello and welcome to an interview with Sirius. I am joined today by Ella Mastrantonio, the football player who was with Bristol City women, but as we're post-season now, we're not sure yet where she will be, but she's here. Hi, Ella, how are you? Hi, Rodney. I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm so grateful that you, you were able to give me your time. Um, you know, it's not it's not easy to get hold of a, a WSL player. So yeah, I know I so I've heard, um, but you know, other than playing football, I don't really have much to do. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm happy to do these things, and I've seen some of your work before, so it's good to have people who put in the hard work. Oh know, well, so. that's that's very kind. Thank you very much for saying that. I really do appreciate it. Um, look, there are, there are a few things that. You know, there are topics that I wanted to go over, um, broad questions. Uh, your life as an overseas, overseas player, um, the comparisons in terms of playing football back home in Australia and, and here in the UK. And I want to know a little bit about your life in terms of what you were like as a young person growing up in terms of football um, and your next steps. And, and I've got the kind of question of unfinished business. So we'll, we'll see where the conversation goes. I hope sure. that's okay. Yep. Brilliant. Um, you know, you played for a number of different clubs, obviously, um, but it must have been a really big step for you to make the decision to, to come over to the UK and play football in the WSL. What was the driving force for that for you? <laughs> Yeah, it was um, massive. It's something I've kind of been wanting to do for a few years now. And I think after having a really good season in the W League with Western Sydney Wanderers last year, I think, you know, I thought that this time was pretty much the perfect time to do it. Um, and luckily the um, opportunity came up to obviously sign with Bristol. There was a few other offers from Norway and Italy, uh, but I thought, you know, with the trajectory of women's football and the WSL kind of, being, you know, uh, probably the most popular and probably best league in the world. I was like, oh, I really want to kind of challenge myself, you know, in, in the hardest league in the world with all those um, like top players who are going to be playing at the top clubs and, you know, growing up watching football, you know, and then playing and going to those stadiums and seeing those names and stuff was was pretty, pretty amazing. But, um, but yeah, it was tough coming over in a pandemic, but it was definitely an experience. It's, it's, I'm smiling when, when I hear you say, uh, to play in, in, in the best league in the world. Is that how you see the WSL? Um, I mean, you can't deny it's got the, some of the best players in the world here. Mm. Um, but since coming over and being here, um, I noticed that, you know, there's obviously a massive difference between, let's say, the top five teams um, compared to the, the, the lower five. Um, so I think, yeah, some of the competition that you're playing against 100% are best in the world. You know, you can't really beat the likes of Frank Kirby, uh, you know, obviously Sam Kerr, um, you know, they're the best players in the world right now. So, but I think in league term overall, I think there can be a lot of improvements. Um, mm. But yeah, in terms of obviously, you know, the popularity right now of women's football, I think Europe really is the epicenter of that. So to come over here and play in England um, was a, a real, like an amazing opportunity. Yeah, there's quite a few Australian players in the UK playing football for WSL clubs. Was it was it a collective decision, or was you know did you find out that, that you had you know fellow countrymen all playing in the UK by chance, or was it a plan? <laughs> it's funny because obviously you hear whispers a bit earlier going on. Um, uh, I think it was before January because obviously Chloe Lagaza was the first one to to make the leap. I think in in January last year. Um, and then obviously Caitlin Ford followed and yeah, about three, four of us uh, all just kind of went and it just worked out brilliantly like that. And I think in terms of Matilda's preparation, it's probably worked out good as well as obviously with the pandemic, um, with travel being, you know, basically banned in Australia to and from, it's made it a lot easier to try and do camps in, in Europe now. So, but yeah, it was a massive exodus, um, but it just goes to show you where kind of football, women's football was headed right now and where the best of the best are playing. And, and you know, you said, you know, we obviously you've made the decision to come over. Um, you had a number of different choices. The, the, there's a question of me that says, why Bristol? I mean, was Bristol the only opportunity for you to play in the WSL? Was it the, the, were they the only club? Uh, yeah, there was potentially another one. But um, yeah, Bristol at the end of the day was um, 
the option that came up and that mm. wasn't definite. So obviously with everything being so unsure, waiting for the season to be cancelled or whatever it was last year, everything was pretty much always up in the air. So, you know, I jumped at the chance to say, yep, like, let's go. I want to do it. Um, so, yeah, that's um, that's how it happened. And I was over there and, yeah, a year later, here we are. Yeah. Do you know, it's... There's a bit of me that says, why Bristol? But obviously, when you go and play for Bristol, there were difficulties for Bristol throughout the season. I mean, I, you know, myself and other fans, we would obviously review the games and talk about the plight of the club and some of the results. But there were also the difficulty of the, the stadium in which you played. And there wasn't a, a set place for you to call your home as a player. Was that difficult? Yeah, like I said, um, it was a bit surprising kind of coming over here and um, seeing how things um, were run a little bit differently to back home in Australia um, and especially coming to, you know, the best league in the world. Um, you know, you could see that the, the funding, you know, at Bristol isn't really like the other clubs in and around us and obviously towards the top end of the table as well. Um, and yeah, like it, it obviously made things difficult. Obviously with the pandemic it doesn't help either. Um, but yeah, not playing, you know, at a certain kind of home stadium, even though Twerton Park was our home stadium, but even that, I don't think some of the games that we played there, some of the pitch was in not a great state <laughs> to be played on, to be honest. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of challenges going on at Bristol and I think uh, they're still going on and then probably still will be going on for, for a little while. Yeah, I know, I know you're probably not able to say what the challenges are, but, you know, would I be going too far to say that some of the things that the, the Birmingham City players have mentioned in an open letter are probably quite close to some of the things that may have been an issue for Bristol players? Um, from what I remember in that letter, similar. Yeah, but I don't think in that that bad of the, as their situation. Their situation seemed quite, um, yeah, a little bit harder. But look, you know, when club, you know, if you're not going to spend and invest in um, the women's game as much as other teams do, like this, you know, you're going to expect that disparity between the top five to the to the lower, you know, lower five or lower six, whatever it is. So, yeah, sadly, it's just all at the end of the day, you know, you need to invest in women's football to keep up with the best now. And we've seen that as, you know, even clubs from the championship have invested, look at Leicester, like, you know what I mean? They really care about the women's football when they put in obviously a lot of money, they train with the men train, like it just makes a huge difference. Like you, as players, you want to perform at the best because you're training at the best and you're training with the best. So yeah, at the end of the day, it always just comes to like investment and kind of the vision of what the club wants to achieve. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with you there. Um, you know, all right, playing for Bristol, you know, when I looked at your Twitter fit handle, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to find out about this, Ella, see what she's about. And you've got a Vimeo link. And I was thinking, what's this? And it's got all of your clips. And I thought that was such a unique selling point for a player to have, especially when, as fans keep saying, we don't have enough access. We don't see enough of the players. We don't get, the game isn't being promoted enough. Was that a conscious decision on your part to do it? Or did someone just say, oh, why don't you do this and you go with it? Um, no, I think because like you said, um, Twitter and Instagrams and Facebook these days, they're pretty much like your marketing tool. Um, so I think this was before I actually had an agent. And before I came over here, I started just doing that. I'm like, well, you know, surely some someone random could come across my profile, you know, from a club in Europe or wherever. And you just never know, because like I said, I never had an agent until maybe a year ago. So I didn't really know how this stuff kind of worked. Um, so, yeah, I just put it out there as, you know, if anyone wants to, if they don't really know, like I said, about much about women's football, or much about me as a player, it's just easily accessed, I suppose. So I don't know if people think it's quite, I don't know. Um, what's the word not like cocky but I was just like I just need to get get myself out there as much as I can you know women's football is quite quite a hard especially to come over to Europe these days it's quite a hard you know circle to kind of get into so if I can help that then so be it yeah did you I like did. it you I, no I did I did like it you know I was I was watching it on my phone and I, I was thinking no I need to look at this on my laptop I need a bigger screen and then I thought oh no I need to watch it on my tv so I, need, I did so I'm, I'm upscaling to see the clips and, and from what I did see of you, I was thinking, 
you know, you've got you down as like a, a CDM, uh, someone who stops. But you, I, what I noticed from you, this is every, every, your second pass is always a forward one. Yeah. And I, I thought to myself, okay. And I thought that was, for me, I like that. I like that because it was very simple. The pass was, you know, stop what was happening, move forward, stop what was happening, move forward. Um, so, yeah, I did like it, you know, and I, I actually think it's something that players should do uh, within the women's game because the women's game is very different to the men's game. You know, the, the men's game is decades ahead in terms of uh, PR and, and financial support. I think the women's game and, and, and female football players have a different way of going about things. And I thought the video was very good. And, um, you know, what I do want to ask you, because what you mentioned, you said you didn't have an agent until about a year ago. So, I mean, you know, how has that changed things for you, you know, having an agent? I mean, what do agents do? <laughs> well, I was really <laughs> asking those questions up until a year ago. Um, I think it's just all about having contacts, you know, um, in any kind of walk of life, it's usually, you know, who you know, or instead of what you know. So, um, yeah, just building contacts, they obviously have, you know, instead of you reaching out to clubs individually, it probably looks, I think there's a process as well for agents to kind of how they approach clubs and, you know, yeah, just if they have good contacts, yeah, which I'm lucky mine does, um, Andreas. So he does a fantastic job for me. Um, but yeah, and they obviously deal with like, you know, the contractual stuff. So you don't really have to worry about it because to be honest, I don't really know how that stuff works. So he, he can do it for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad someone is working on your behalf. You know, of, I mean, of late, obviously you've been, you're moved on from Bristol, you know, end of the season. And I did see a tweet by um, a particular journalist and I kind of, a, a, her name escapes me now. And she had to clarify something. She said, no, you were released. No, your contract ran out. You were released. You weren't released. And I was thinking, you thanked her for it. And I thought that was very, it was very kind of poignant for that, that time because there were so many things happening on Twitter with cl clubs releasing players, bulk, Liverpool, bulk, and, and fans were going absolutely crazy. You know, do you see, you know, from your point of view, the way that contracts are handled and ended, is that is that the best way or do you think that that could be changed? Um, look, this is me just speaking from obviously my personal um, situation, but I just wanted to make sure, and I'm glad that Samantha did that, yeah, because obviously yeah. the club really, you know, it came out with a statement that, you know, I was released when I was yeah. like, well, contract kind of just ended I wasn't actually just let go yeah and that was you know like I was not going to resign anyway so um yeah I think um I didn't really like how that was worded obviously as other clubs just said oh you know certain players have departed this this ass but I just wasn't really didn't really sit well with me how that was kind of um said by the club so I'm glad kind of Samantha um clarified that yeah. um yeah so but yeah, she's she's a great journalist from Australia. So yeah, shout out to Samantha. Yeah, apologies, Samantha. I didn't get your name. I didn't remember, but I did remember the tweet. <laughs> so just in case you're thinking, why didn't you remember my name? Um, no, it was it. I did think that was quite nice to actually clarify that because it, there there are a lot of things happening um, within the last three or four days that that fans were were upset about, and not necessarily just about Bristol, but just in players where players were being treated. You know, I want to ask you about the season, you know, that's just, just gone. You know, I mean, if you could go back and change anything in, in you know, your season with Bristol, if you could do anything different, if you could want anything different, what would it be? Um, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but um yeah obviously just I think in the first half of the season really let us down um I think we went out there um kind of too defensively and you know that's not really my kind of I don't really resonate with that kind of style of play anyway so just for personally and I know for you know the team in general that you know we haven't we had really good we have really good players in that team um mm. and then keep copying six ones you know eight ones you know nine nil against Chelsea like that's that's just never nice as a as a team so I think um the second half of the season really um reflected a bit better 
the quality of players we actually have, you know, because we played a bit higher up the field, um, we were creating chances, you know, and also our defending was actually getting better as well at the same time. So, yeah, I think, yeah, if maybe if we started off the, the first half of the season a bit better, we probably could have escaped relegation quite quite a lot better. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the, the things we could change, but, yeah, in hindsight now, so. Yeah, I know it's difficult. I mean, I've never spoken to a player. I mean, I've, I've faced kind of disappointment in football when I've played at whatever level I've played. And you're a professional, you play for a team. I mean, everyone that I've spoken to likes Bristol as a t- like, almost like their second team. As I would look at, I mean, for me, definitely. Um, and I didn't want Bristol to be relegated. I just felt that part of the UK needed a, a high-profile football team, doesn't have it in the Premier League, definitely need it in, in the, the Women's Super League. Uh, so it was disappointing. And, you know, you, you talked about the 9-0 and all of the other results that, that Bristol had to endure during the season. You know, what, what was the feeling that you had, you know, after those defeats and with the, the other players? And, you know, how did you guys pick yourself up week after week to kind of like, okay, we're going to do this again and try and change what went before? It was pretty difficult, to be honest. Um, Like, I wouldn't say that, you know, some of us got used to it, but, you know, it was horrible. Even going into training, like, it's hard to obviously get motivated, Um, you know, and then when obviously training, like, some people weren't enjoying training because, you know, everyone's just... You know, it's not a it's not a great state to kind of be in because it's just you can just feel the negativity building and building. Um, so I think the change halfway through the season definitely made a massive difference. Um, you know, training got better. Um, obviously, the performances improved, the results improved to what it was. Um, so that made a big difference. But yeah, it's not nice sitting. You know, going week in week out, getting basically smashed when, like I said. The, the players that we had, we didn't really deserve those results, more those performances. So I think in the second half of the season, we kind of showed what we're really about. Yeah, I mean, it's, I know it's difficult to kind of talk about, and I had to ask the question, I just felt, you know, from 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 an, an outsider's point of view, me and other fans, we would look at the results and we would be upset for Bristol in terms of the goals that were conceded and everything else. And I just wondered how that would play on the player's mind and your mind. And, and you know, you've shared that and I, I, I re- I'm grateful that you have. But it, 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 it does say something about, from, from just listening to you, that there, ha- there needed to be something slightly different in terms of what was happening for you as players. Um, and, and this is one thing, obviously, you've come over to, to the UK from Australia, pandemic year, unable to socialise in the normal way, go out, restaurants, friends, do all of that other stuff. And then you're having to deal with the defeats of a heavy nature and you're unable to do what most teams would do was go out and bond. Mm -hmm. You just go into train again and there's no breaking the cycle. I mean, was there anything that was put in place that was something different than just the training to try and, or was it just the training? Uh, for the first half of the season, yeah, uh, no, like there's like I said, like you mentioned, there's not really much you could do really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there was nothing as a team wise, you know, nothing really we could do. We couldn't even, you know, socialize yeah. from one house to another house. So it made it difficult for sure. Um, but yeah, luckily enough, obviously throughout the season, the restrictions lifted a bit, so it made things a little bit easier. And like I said the change um, halfway through the season did make a big difference to, you know, our morale and stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know it's, it's, it's difficult. I needed to, to, to kind of raise it. I hope you didn't mind. I just thought, you know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to kind of talk, talk about. And yeah. when you watch it, you just want to know what's going on. And I know that obviously in this, this pandemic year, there's been a lot of talk about mental health. There's been a lot of talk about support. There's been a lot of talk about what clubs are trying to do to help their players or that, like, uh, training and isolation and all those other things. And I just wanted to know what was different from you, from your point of view or for your, your other colleagues when you had those difficult results, what could you do? And obviously you said there was nothing, that there was nothing different. It was just, you were in a very difficult situation. I mean, just thankfully, 
you know, we have the FaceTimes, we have computers, we have phones to obviously speak to your family or speak whoever we need to, you know, at a drop of a hat. So that helped me yeah. a lot personally because I did find it really tough. I had a really tough time uh, through a large part of the first half of the season, um, you know, and I try to advocate for mental health and, you know, I was constantly in contact with psychologists and stuff to help me because, yeah, my just my anxiety was going through the roof and I didn't know why I was waking up, you know, my heart pounding a thousand miles a minute. And I was like, why is this happening? So, um, yeah, I had to eventually basically seek and get help um, to help me kind of get through the season, which sounds horrible, but I think that's kind of the norm at the moment. And I'm glad more people are kind of treating it normal because it is normal because, you know, everyone you meet is, you know, battling with something at the end of the day. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was tough. But like I try to use this experience to kind of build me into a better person and a better player. Well, it sounds like obviously you said it was tough and, you know, from what you're saying that you couldn't go to anyone in the club or the club didn't have anything in place. Oh, like we have a chaplain. So Esther, okay. she was really great. Um, but in terms of actual club um, services or anything kind of like that, mm. uh, no, but I think the PFA kind of offered those services, I think. So, but obviously that just depends on who's a member and stuff or not. You mentioned chaplain. You mean, are they qualified for mental health? Um, I'm actually not sure, but just as a support network, Esther was really great. Um, you know, I had a couple good coffee catch-ups. I know a lot of the girls were very close to her as well. So um, I think she was a good outlet for a few people, which was great. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't think she's actually officially tied into the club. No. So it's, it's difficult to, you know, fortunate that everyone's got Zoom or Skype or whatever other platform they can use, phones, WhatsApp, everything. And you're you speaking to your parents obviously the time difference would have been an issue <laughs> yes <laughs> when it hits about 2 or 3 p.m it my phone goes dead because everyone's asleep so <laughs> uh, no they've been amazing they, they're quite night hours as well so they're always kind of up late so it works a little bit better for me but um yeah but yeah i don't know how the pros back in the day used to do it you know back in the 90s 80s like i take my hat off to them how they survived writing letters instead of talking oh, right now oh listen could you imagine someone saying they're going to write a letter and they've got yeah. to wait for a reply? That, yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Not unreal. Yeah. Not real. Very not, yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously you've talked about your time in Bristol, you know, you've talked about the difficulties in terms of the, the results and the mood, training, just feeling and your anxiety and obviously how you coped with that. What was what did you like about Bristol? What were the good things? What were the fun things? What, what would you hold dear in terms of your time at the club? I think Bristol is actually a, a, quite a beautiful city. I really enjoyed it um, for what I saw, and obviously the bonds that you make with with people and players. You know, I was very lucky to have a core of about four or five girls. I was very very close to. Yeah. Um, so of course that makes things you know great. Um, but, you know, there was, there was good people involved. So that always makes the experience a bit better if, you know, things aren't going right on, on the pitch. So, um, yeah, it was definitely had some, had some good moments amongst all the, all the chaos. So, yeah, it was yeah. good. Uh, you didn't get to go into, uh, into the, the shopping centre, Cabot Circus or any of those areas, did you? No, I did. Uh, we actually did an escape room one night there. What? what? An escape room? And you, you never heard of those? What's that? Uh, it's basically kind of those game rooms, how you get thrown into a room and you have to try and figure out codes, how to get through the doors at a certain time. So you're trying to, it's basically like, yeah, like a game, like you have to try and right. escape. You, you had me for a moment. I'm a man of a certain age. You say escape room, I'm thinking scary movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that. We did like a World War II one, so we had to try and like figure out a Morse code and find secret code. Like it was cool, but Chloe yeah. and Rapid or yeah, they were on it. So we were just there to just open the doors when it was done. <laughs> but yeah, no, I did go to Cabot. That was pretty much once or twice. And that was it, obviously, because of lockdown and stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> escape room. I'm still kind of like thinking. That's a bizarre. Okay. Google it. One, Google um, it. I will do. Uh, imagine you, you, you're in lockdown and goes, what should we do? Let's go to an escape room. I'm like, yeah. oh, I want to go out. <laughs> so go into yeah. another room. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> But that's all we could do, I think. That was pretty much all that was open. Well, back then. fair enough. Um, <laughs> right, you played, obviously, 
there were a lot of good players. I mean, Chloe Lagazzo, she she left midway through the season and, and went to play in the NWSL, uh, which was a bit of a shock for the Bristol City fans. I've got to do this actually. Um, DM and the and the guys they say hi, Nat and, and Shahan they say hi. Ah, uh, hello. I was supposed to catch up with them literally next Monday, but obviously because my flight got changed on the day and I left earlier, so oh, okay. um, it's sad that I can't get to catch up with them. But oh, okay. they're good guys. No yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, we where was I? I was going to say something about Bristol. Obviously, yeah, Bristol. Who were? Well, who would you consider are, are are the top players in that Bristol City team, considering the players that have left already? What do you mean, like who are there now? But who did you who did you consider to be like some top of the players. best players? Yeah, yeah, in that team. Um, I think Gemma Evans was our best player for the season. Gemma, mm. she, you know, one of the most solid defenders I've probably pretty much ever played with. Um, some of her last last ditch tackles were incredible so i think her she had a great season obviously a difficult season for us but because of her she made it a lot better um also baggers had a really great season always um, <laughs> but um but yeah there was there was many i think um yeah there was many good players yana daniels she's quite tricky and obviously you know ebony she scored a lot of goals yeah. um so yeah there was it's some it was a good mix of, of players in that team yeah, I have to be honest, with Ebony going, everyone kind of thought, oh, Bristol go down, Ebony will, will leave. No one considered anyone else leaving with the conversations I had. Were you surprised that she went to America, Ebony? Um, to be honest, I actually was, just yeah. because I think the style of play is completely different to hers. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, she's quick, so she'll fit in. Um, but I just know that, obviously, because a lot of Americans have played in the W League throughout the years, that... It's a very, very dynamic um, transitional kind of kind of game. I don't know if you've ever watched any of their games. They're very entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> so, just, I'm just about catching up with some of them because obviously the time difference for me. Um, yeah. I like to be in bed by, you know, certain hour. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think um, just in, obviously, it's a bit different to how we played at Bristol. So, um, yeah. yeah, it will be interesting to, to see if she enjoys it, which I'm sure she will. She will, will. It'll add to a add to a skill set of, of learning different things and different styles. Yeah, definitely. Right. Okay. Let, let's move away from your time in Bristol. Um, I'm gonna ask you a question about the comparisons. We touched on it a little bit earlier. How different is the football in in the UK, the women's football in the UK, to to that in Australia? I think it's more, very much more tactical and serious because there's a relegation and promotion here. Mm. So obviously in the W League, also the W League only goes for 12 games in a year. So it's over before you know it. Um, but back in Australia, everyone kind of plays the same system. So, you know, usually a 4-3-3 or a 3-5-2 or one team might play. But obviously over here, because everyone's so just desperate to, to win and get results, especially for the, the lower half of the table, one week you're coming up against Chelsea, who's, you know, 4-3-3 or whatever they play, very attacking. And then you can then come up against um, like a Birmingham who are just, you know, sit in a compact block and um, hit the, on the counter. So I think in that regard, it's very different because um, you get exposed to all different styles. Um, it's very, the league over here is very quick. Um, and I think a lot more technically overall, everyone's a little bit um, like at a very good level compared to the W League. Um, but now, obviously, with a lot of the girls that have left the W League, um, all the teams are based in Africa with all young young local girls. So I think um, it will take a few years to get the W League for all those girls to get back to um, get some good experience in the W League to really get the level, you know, up to a really, really high standard um, again. But it's a fantastic league and, you know, it's helped develop basically all the materials that you see now. Um, so we're all lucky that we had that in Australia, although, you know, it can be a little bit longer, um, and hopefully it will be in the next few years, especially leading up to the, the World Cup. But yeah, I think those were kind of the main kind of differences I noticed, um, within the league. Yeah. Um, I, it, what I've, it, you've mentioned, obviously with the number of games, you know, as fans here, we always say that the, the WSL needs to have more teams. We didn't think that 12 is enough. We thought there should be at least 16 or 18 teams. 
um, to make the league much more, com you know, competitive. And you say with the W League, you know, 12 games is nothing. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, it seems like more of a five-a-side competition. That if you say 12 games, you, you could do that in a, a fortnight um, if you're playing 10-minute games. But it, it, it does say something to me when I look at so many of the Australian players, as you know, the Matildas that have come over to Europe, and you mentioned that there is a talent drain. You know, so obviously the, w, the WSL looks great to everyone from the outside. So it, it, it's everyone's looking to, to the WSL. You know, is that, could that, you know, have a detrimental impact on, 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 the, on the W League and the Matildas in the future? Um, I think long term, no, because now it gives all these young girls who probably wouldn't have got much game time with those kind of players, the Matildas in there. Um, so I think it, it's good because it is preparing them now and getting them, you know, first team environment football um, at the, the highest league in, in Australia, probably earlier than they might have if obviously the Matildas were playing in, in those positions. So but and then the flip side of that is obviously then you're getting our best players now leaving. So um, the balance of finding, you know, um, the future and giving them time to the, the league uh, standard being, you know, incredibly high is going to take some time to obviously level out. Mm. Um, but I think long term, um, hopefully they need to add more games because, you know, you're, you're going to get all the best players kind of leaving because I, w I played, I think, 12 games within the first maybe three months I was here with pre-season cup games and stuff like that. So it just makes a massive difference. Like the best players need to be playing year round or playing as many games as possible per year. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And, and did you, and did you notice anything in terms of your energy levels when you were playing that? Did you realize that, Oh my gosh, there are so many more games. Do I have to change? Do I have to pace myself? Did you have to change your training program or was there anything? No, that I, loved, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I love playing the midweek games, um, but it just, I felt physically fine in that regard. I loved, you know, playing on a Sunday, coming in for a recovery or light session, then playing again on the Wednesday. It didn't happen too many times throughout mm. the season, but I love football. So the more I'm playing, you know, the more I love it. But in terms of W League, because we're playing in the heat in the peak of summer, that's what drains you. I thought playing over in here in winter, I was going through games and I was way more energized than I would be playing, you know, in 35 degree heat. So that was an interesting kind of, um, yeah, um, exposure of kind of difference of playing in, you know, the freezing cold to the, the really stinking hot of Australia. But, um, the freezing but yeah. Cold. yeah, I've never, I think it was at the West Ham away game. I think it hit minus zero. Oh, I'm sorry. My, my feet. Well, oh. ice blocks have been that cold in my life. <laughs> did you did you have two pairs of socks on, or did you just do the amateur? I've only only one pair. The I was amateur. lucky that I had Under Armour. I had to buy Under Armour because I didn't, yeah I didn't expect it, which Listen, I should have known. About. Well, let's hey, you know what? This country, it can do all four seasons in twenty four hours. You need to be ready. There's no <laughs> yeah. The weather lately was showing that. So oh gosh, <laughs> I remember that that that. Uh, I think it was in January. I think I twice I've watched games and I said it was so cold and I just thought this is ridiculous. And I was at just standing, so I just felt for the players. Uh, felt for the players. Okay, so yeah, so difference obviously with the W League and the WSL. You know, I'm, talent the, the talent leaving a country is always an issue when it comes to football because I just think it's really important that that countries are able to retain the talent that they have and instead of letting them go away because you didn't you know all you for me all you have are role models that leave and never mm -hmm. stay and, yeah. and and that's a very difficult thing to kind of to kind of grow your own game um so we'll we'll, we'll see how that works out you know i want to ask you about um where you began where it started for you, I had to, had to go and look at your Wikipedia page, you know, oh, yeah. you, you're, you, you've got one, so well done. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, a couple of clubs, uh, obviously, you mentioned there are only so many teams, I'm going to mention them, Perth Glory, Melbourne Victory, um, and Western Sydney Wanderers. 
Yeah, those are the teeth. Did I miss any? No, that's it. That's it. Okay. Well, no, it spans over a number of years, quite a few years, and you know, you're at, you're at, out of those teams. You know, where were your best moments, and what do you remember fondly? Uh, I think Melbourne victory. So we both won the championship. Um, 12-13 season so but that was great with them and then obviously 2018-19 season we won the league with them that was really fantastic and I just love Melbourne as a city you know it's a brilliant city to, city to live in um, but then also going back to last season with the Wanderers that was probably my my best and favourite season um, because you know going in, into that season the Wanderers had always finished near the bottom never made the top four uh, which is finals for us so top four um, yeah they do round robin and playoff for the final um and then yeah so we made history with that club um and just that was again this is why investment makes such a big difference you know we had brand new facilities we were training on the same pitches as the men uh we had our own separate you know women's change room had all our gear there ready for us i felt like for the first time in my life i felt like a professional footballer as in oh this is probably what the premier league men get this is you, know, you just rock up the training everything's there for you it sounds so minuscule probably to to especially for for male people listening in, but for us women's footballers, like a lot of people don't get that. So I think that made, and that made, I think a massive difference to why we performed so well and we did so well that season, other than recruiting, you know, um, our coaches and that did a great job there. But it all starts from the kind of culture that you surround yourself with as a team and the Wanderers did that and it was amazing. So, uh, but yeah, definitely, yeah, Melbourne victory and Wanderers were probably my favourite. Yeah, um, I mean, were you always a, a, a central defensive midfielder or did you play in any other position? My dad still thinks I'm a striker. So, but I started off as a striker. Uh, and always just being like, yeah. Go on, dad. Bit, yeah. No, no, he's going to love this. He's going to be like, yeah, I told you. Um, but yeah, no, like just anywhere in the midfield, but always kind of either attacking or just, I just like getting on the ball. I'm not really the CDM because of the defensive side of it, even though I can do that, but I'm more of like, I just love getting on the ball and making things happen and, you know, orchestrating yeah. things. Yeah. Well, I did, I did say, you know, when I, what I saw from your video clip is that you very good at intercepting and your second, your second touch is a forward pass, you know, and I just thought to myself, there's a very, very intuitive way of playing and not many people will see that because what I, you know, when you watch football, some people take a touch too many or they think they have too much time when they're on the ball, especially in that position. And um, yeah, good for you. But your dad think probably thinks you should should still be a striker. So why not? No, he, he does. He does, don't worry. But I think that intuitive kind of playing comes because I've grown up, I've grown up playing with boys pretty much my whole life. So I think that's kind of ingrained in me to do things probably quicker because mm. obviously a girl especially as I got older and the boys just kept growing getting quick by the by the day you have to do things in one or two touch so but um but yeah no thank you I appreciate those comments <laughs> well, that's all right um who did you model your game on um Andrea Pilo all right yeah all right. He's, he's um my favorite kind of we call it a six in in australia like the number six but yeah cdm he's my he was pretty much my favorite but there's so many other great ones like xavi iniesta but i think pirlo kind of yeah just the way he played his vision his passing like he's just his all-around game and just how he struts around the pitch was just mesmerizing so yeah i try to at least do something like him. Yeah, there were quite a few England fans that don't like Pirlo from World Cups, but I could understand why. Yeah, sorry. Listen, yeah. <laughs> no need to apologise to me. You know, just, I agree with you. He's a very, he's a very, very, or he was a very, very talented and uh, special midfield. I'd say he's a, a kind of a maestro. He reminded me of someone who played football in a smoking jacket and slippers. Everything just seemed to be easy. Yeah, exactly. It was just beautiful to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it was just very easy. So, Perlo, you modelled your game on him. Did you have any role models that you looked up to apart from him in terms of the, in, in the women's game that you say, I want to, you know, emulate what they're doing. I want to be like them. Yeah, I think, um, I'm not sure if you ever heard of her, but an Australian, she's actually Scottish as well, but Australian um, midfielder called Colette McCullum. She's retired now, but 
she was probably one of the most technically gifted um, central midfielders I've ever seen in the women's game. Um, yeah, set pieces, unreal. Um, her passing range, incredible. Um, and I used to, yeah, look up to her as a player and like, I want to be, you know, like Colette and play like Colette. Um, so very lucky to kind of grow up as she was in the best part of her career and then towards the end and, and, and not playing with her. So, and then there was another, yeah, another few, um, Lisa Devanna, I'm not sure if you've ever heard that name, um, another Matilda, who's I think got equal most caps. Um, we're friends now, so it's awkward to kind of say that I used to have posters of her in, on my wall when I was younger. So, so yeah, but, um, I think those two were kind of the main ones. Well, it's it's good to be. It's actually quite nice to meet your hero. Actually, it was well. Lisa was scary. A lot of people who know her and were in the same boat as me would say she's incredibly scary. But nah, it, it's it's always yeah a buzz to meet kind of your idols. Yeah. And, and, why, and why not? You know, you mentioned, obviously, you played football with the boys growing up. Um, were you ever, you know, were you accepted playing football at that age? Or were you teased? Or did you, you know, did you have problems playing football at all? Um, from the teams that I've played in, mm. I've actually been quite lucky and all the boys have usually accepted me or, um, you know, appreciate, appreciated my play. Um, it's usually sometimes I get stick from, you know, other play other plays from other teams like I recently played in the league up until 2019 or 2018 sorry I played in the league and some of the comments I was getting I was like whoa this new generation of like my old generation when I was playing when I was younger they would mm. never say those things but this new generation of boys I'll just they'll call me oh they'll call me this that I was like okay but you're listening to a girl so don't don't talk to me <laughs> but no um yeah generally when I was playing with the boys my, the ones who I played with were usually quite good, so I was very lucky. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that is the case. Okay, right. We covered quite a bit of ground. Mm -hmm. So, for questions that I have under the, the the banner of next steps and unfinished business. Mm -hmm. What's next for you? And you know, in terms of your playing career, club, international. And is there anything that you think that you 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 didn't finish in the WSL and you think I need to finish? What's next? I don't know. I generally couldn't even tell you because obviously still working on it. Um, you know, things are still up in the air. So hopefully um, I have some idea quite soon. In terms of WSL, I'd love to try and stay in the WSL. Like I said, it's a challenging league. You're coming up against the best teams in the world. Um, so I'd love to try and stay here, but when that happens, I'm happy to just hopefully just stay in Europe. Because like I said, this is kind of the place to be for women's football. Um, you know, teams and countries are really investing in, the, in their women's football over here. So you can see that in the rise of Spain lately. Mm. Uh, I actually watched their game against the Netherlands uh, when we were last in camp back in April and they absolutely played them off the park. So similar to the Champions League final just recently. I'm not sure if you watched that. Barcelona oh, yeah. Against. Yeah, so that's basically half the Spanish team. So, yeah, I think the tides are turning now uh, in the women's game because, you know, in the years before, it was always kind of USA dominating. But I think now you're going to see a lot of the European teams kind of really come up mm. and come through. Um, so, yeah, and then hopefully with national team, hopefully I can get back in or stay within the squads. That's that's always kind of my main goal. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I fingers crossed for you in terms of the main squads. And... And, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you said you want to stay in the WSL. I think you you would do well in another WSL team. You know, uh, if, if you could choose a team, you know, yeah. hypothetically, yeah, who would you go to? Who would you want to play for? Probably Chelsea. Look at those players. <laughs> Everyone wants to play for Chelsea, don't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think even Arsenal under under Joe Montemurro, just his yeah. style. Played under him before, so he's just an incredible, incredible coach. So, but yeah, I yeah. Would you play for? Would you? Would you? Would you play for Joel? I, I believe he's going into Europe, isn't he? Yeah, I think um, there's rumours of him going to Italy. So yeah, is that is that um? Is that is that like a hint? Oh, he already knows that. Don't worry, I told it to him. You told him to. I'd like. Well, there you go. I'm like, I thought I was trying to get a scoop. No, I mean, listen. If you do, you know, please, please, 
please let me know but it'd be great um i i, I have to be honest I'm, I'm very very sad um obviously that that bristol didn't stay up um and and obviously you say your time has come to an end at bristol so i, I won't get to see you because i i was at um the conti cup game when bristol played crystal palace oh at night yeah the, 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 the evening kickoff which was yeah it was bonkers cold <laughs> yeah that was my first experience i think of the real cold at night yeah it wasn't it wasn't as cold as the west ham one but it was cold mm -hmm. and uh, i was really really impressed with the performance of bristol that night yeah. um uh, i was and i just thought just from what i saw and i just thought to myself then i couldn't work out the disparity between what i saw that night and then what i see i saw in the wsl it seemed as almost as if because you weren't playing the wsl game you, you were all more relaxed, there was more cohesion, and you moved the ball. I mean, you were playing on a 4G pitch, which is not normal for you guys. You usually play on grass, and you moved it around as if you were the home team. And I just thought, I honestly was like thinking, I don't get it. I couldn't quite work out what I saw. For me, I was like thinking, they play great football. I, yeah. I just, yeah, I, yeah, I just don't think we all, I don't know how to put it, but yeah, I just don't think in the WSL we probably believed or some people didn't believe we could play like that against the WSL teams. But Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I honestly, you know, from as a neutral, I, I, I honestly believe you could. I, I just couldn't work out why I hadn't seen that performance in the league. And... Uh, yeah, it was a performance, and I would say also that the, the team set up and the personnel that were on the pitch, it was just very different. And I just thought I didn't understand, you know, but I'm, I'm very, very, yes, sad. And and I'm, I've got friends who are very sad as well, like you say, DM and the guys and Nat and Shahan. So they'll, they'll be pleased that I said hi to you and I mentioned them for sure. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we're coming close to the end of our little chat, you know, I, I want to know, you started at the beginning talking about, you know, roughly the differences between what you noticed in, in the WSL, what you saw from afar, and then when you realised what was actually happening here when you got here. You know, if you could, you know, be an agent of change for the women's game and, and put things in place, not just for the, the Women's Super League, but across the world, what, what would you do? What would you implement? I mean, it sounds, you know, simple, but there just needs to be investment. You need to have investment in women's football. Like, you have to have good facilities. You need to have the right, the best people in charge, the best, you know, support network around the club. Um, you know, that's when you're going to see the real growth of women's football and you're going to see, you know, teams um, really strive and, you know, do... Do the best that they can because you know as i know it seems just a cheap cop out like oh money was going to solve everything but for the women's game it actually will because there's just not enough money and there's not enough promotion even though it obviously especially with the new tv deal for you know the league next year like that's incredible um but i know back in the w league like apparently the coverage for the season last season was just abysmal that you know the streams will cut out halfway through and stuff like that so that little those little things need to be better for our game to grow um so hopefully yeah the more women's football seen the more people get invested and more people who just want to grow the game and improve every aspect of it yeah you know i yeah I'm, you're, you're quite right and as fans we've we've spoken about that before on, on different podcasts something that someone said to me about two weeks ago um, and, and, and I'm just thinking about it now. You mentioned at the beginning, you said you noticed the stuff that I do and you appreciate it, and I thought that was quite nice. But with fans, we spend a lot of time talking about the women's game and, and what needs to be done, and we know that the clubs are very particular and slightly prickly about what they will and will not support. Do you or, or other players think, oh, we really like what these fans are doing, would like to support them by retweeting or liking their 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 social media posts, but we know we're not we're not allowed to, we're not permitted to, because the club's saying no. Is that is that something that happens? 
Um, from my experience in the WSL, like I wasn't told not to like a certain thing. Mm. Um, obviously, the only things we get warned about is the pre, um, if an announcement's coming, like obviously keep it, don't yeah. say anything, blah, blah, blah. But in my my experience here, no, no one really told me to stay away from that person or this organisation or don't like that. So, yeah. And that's why I think it's important that more players kind of do engage because I think when I did my interview with DM, um, Shahan, and Nat, they said that I was the first Bristol player to be on. I'm like, yeah. really? What? Mm. Like, it's literally half an hour, you know, and obviously you guys are the supporters of the club. Like, you are you're, you actually care about us as players and care how the team goes. That's what sometimes I don't understand how players either just say no or just don't want to. I'm like, mm, these people are doing this basically all for free. So, you know, it's nice to kind of give back your time and help them if they want to do anything. That's my vision and that's my um, opinion anyway. So, yeah, I mean, well, they'll be glad you, you said that and they, they were very, very uh, happy that you did speak to them. And uh, DM did say to me that you were the only player to speak. So she holds you in high regard. Oh, sorry, they hold you in high regard. Apologies, DM. <laughs> no, um, that's, yeah. They're, yeah, they're great people. So, you know, like I said, I just I'm just surprised that um, more players or more people don't help the kind of support base more. Yeah, well, brilliant stuff. Well, look, I'm going to say thank you for sharing your time with me. And it's it's a little bit disappointing that I'm speaking to you post your Bristol City time, but I'm I'm hoping that I'll speak to you again when you're either back in the WSL or playing football in an Italian club. <laughs> Let's hope so. Thank you, Rodney. It was great to be Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, that was it. That was LR uh, with an interview with I'm Rodney Cyrus, and this is an on and off the pitch production. I'll see you guys soon. Bye for now. <laughs>